Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hey everyone, you're listening to Jesus Stories. We're in episode number 21. Last week, we watched as Jesus worked several miracles, healings, which were driven by the faith of the individuals healed. And we even saw that a lack of faith in his hometown prevented him from healing. As he travels around Galilee, the crowds grow. They become so large that Jesus, in his compassion for them, empowers and sends out his apostles with the charge to teach, preach, and heal, a charge that continues today for followers of Jesus. And we found out how John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, lost his life. If you've missed these events, I encourage you to go back and review the last podcast. What will happen this week? Well, Jesus' apostles come back with a report of their teaching, preaching, and healing, and they're not alone. There are huge crowds coming to Jesus. He will teach them, and he will feed them. That night, as the apostles are crossing the Sea of Galilee in the midst of a storm, Jesus will come to them, walking on the water. The crowd who was fed will follow, and Jesus will share some of his most difficult teaching. That's all a part of today's Jesus Story episode, The Bread of Life. You're listening to Jesus Stories, the podcast in which I share the stories of Jesus in an informal, informative, and interesting way. My name is George Taylor. I'm your storyteller. If this is your first time to find us, welcome. We're glad you're listening. I do encourage you to go back to the beginning and catch our previous episodes. I tell the story of Jesus in chronological order, or what is best to be determined as a chronological order. What happens in prior stories will help you understand what is happening in today's story. If you're a regular listener, thank you. This podcast is made possible because of you. Your donations allow me to spend the time creating, researching, writing, presenting, and producing this podcast. And it's really easy to donate if you wish to add your name to that pot. Just visit the website, jesusstories.info. That's jesusstories.info. And click on the Support This Podcast tab. 
you'll find a button there to click to make a donation. There's even a way to set up a monthly donation, and it's easy. You can donate as little as a dollar per month and help cover expenses. If you prefer to donate some other way, I invite you to email me at narrationbygeorge at outlook.com. Tell me how you'd like to donate, and I'll get back with you. As we left Jesus and his apostles in the last episode, they had just come back to Jesus after being sent out to teach, preach, and heal. They were reporting all that had happened during their time away. Jesus invited them to come with him to a quiet place to rest. Since they were close to the Sea of Galilee, they hop a boat to sail to the other side. But many people saw them and recognized who they were and ran on foot around the lake, arriving on the other side before Jesus and his apostles did. Jesus sees the crowd as they land. The scriptures tell us that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things about the kingdom of God. He also healed those who needed healing. Sometime late in the afternoon, Jesus' disciples come to him with a suggestion. This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus has a different idea. He turns to Philip, and he asks, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Now, let's stop here for just a moment. We know there is a crowd there. The scriptures tell us that there are 5,000 men, not counting women and children, in the audience. So let's say there are some 10,000 people in this crowd, minimum. Can you imagine buying food for that size crowd? Even more, let's say you're an itinerant preacher with a small band of followers, about 20 or so in number, dependent on the support of others to feed yourselves. Do you have money to purchase meals for 10,000 people? Well, probably not. And Philip doesn't think so either. Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them, he says. But we learn that Jesus is testing Philip with this question. Remember, Jesus is the master teacher, a rabbi. So he has a lesson to teach Philip and all his disciples. Andrew speaks up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that in this huge crowd? That is enough for Jesus. He instructs his disciples to instruct the people to sit down in groups on the grass. They sit in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus takes these two fish and five loaves of bread, looks up to heaven, blesses them, and then begins passing them out to his disciples to pass to the people. Everyone ate as much as they wanted. Afterwards, the disciples, who were the cleaning committee as well as food distributors, picked up 12 baskets of scraps. The people reacted to this a miracle as you might expect. Surely, they said, he is the prophet we have been expecting. 
Remember, the Jewish people were waiting for their Messiah, the one that had been promised in the Old Testament. But they were really looking, they thought, for a political, quote, Messiah, unquote, one who would free them from the rulers of the Roman Empire. And in that quest, they were ready to make Jesus their king. Jesus sees this and slips away by himself into the hills. He sends his disciples to Bethsaida by boat. It's now dark on the Sea of Galilee. There's a strong wind blowing. The seas are rough. This is not uncommon on this sea. But his disciples have fishermen among them who know this sea. They know its characteristics and how to navigate it. But tonight is different. The disciples are having a tough time rowing against the wind and the waves. But Jesus sees them. Now, we have no way of knowing if this seeing is spiritual or physical. But in the middle of a storm, it would be difficult to see physically. We know that Jesus is in the hills praying. So I think he sees this struggle spiritually through the power of the presence of God on earth, the power of the Holy Spirit. And he does what any friend would do who sees another in trouble. He goes to them. The disciples have rowed some three or four miles out into the sea. They see Jesus walking to them. Yes, he's walking on the water. They think he's a ghost. They're terrified. But Jesus speaks to them. Don't be afraid, he says. Take courage. I am here. Peter calls out to Jesus. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Peter thinks that he can walk on the water? Well, yes, he does, but only at the invitation Jesus would offer. And Jesus offers that invitation. Come, he says. So Peter steps over the side of the boat, in the middle of the storm, into the waves, into the wind, and he walks on the water toward Jesus. Can you imagine this? Jesus out on the water, waiting as Peter is walking toward him. As he's walking, he notes the wind and the waves, and he gets scared. He begins to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouts. Jesus reaches out and grabs Peter. You have so little faith, Jesus says. Why did you doubt me? They climb back into the boat, and the storm stops just stops. The disciples worship him. You really are the Son of God, they say. They land the boat at Gennesaret and disembark. The people recognize Jesus, and the word gets around. People come from everywhere, carrying sick people on mats to Jesus. They beg Jesus to just let the sick touch his robe, and everyone who touched him was healed. There were some of the people from the crowd who were fed who didn't run around the lake to meet up with Jesus. They realized the next day that only one boat had sailed across the lake, and that boat did not have Jesus on board. But Jesus wasn't with them either. So they cross over to Capernaum to look for him. They find Jesus, and they probe with a question. Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus has a response which I need to explain by reminding you of a statement which John told us earlier about Jesus. He says that Jesus knew what was in each person's heart. 
What was Jesus' response to their question? The only reason you're looking for me is because I fed you. You didn't understand the miracle that I did. Then he says, but don't be concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. The people respond, well, we want to do God's work too, but, but how? Jesus answers, you must believe in the one he has sent. And he's talking about himself. This, he says, is all that Jehovah God requires. Then the crowd makes an unbelievable statement, unbelievable to me at any rate. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? So Jesus has just fed this crowd, which numbered over 10,000 people with five pieces of bread and two fish, and the same crowd is looking for a miracle. And they bring up another argument. What can you do, they say? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. What are they talking about? Well, we have to go back into Jewish history to understand what is right and wrong about this statement. The Jewish people had been slaves in Egypt for some 400 years. Jehovah God, through a series of miracles, secured their release from this bondage and sent them into a desert land to escape the Egyptians. Because of the people's lack of faith and resulting disobedience, they wandered in this desert for 40 years. To help them survive, Jehovah God provided food for them in this desert. This food showed up on the ground each morning. The people would go out and gather it for the day's nourishment. Because they didn't know what it was, they called it manna, Hebrew for what is it? Now, note what the crowd is telling Jesus. What can you do? Well, feed 10,000 people, obviously. After all, they say, Moses provided manna in the desert. You see, a popular Jewish belief was that the Messiah would provide manna, duplicating the miracle from the desert. Jesus corrects their misconception. Jehovah God provided the manna, not Moses. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven, Jesus says. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The crowd responds eagerly, give us this bread every day. Jesus responds by beginning a very hard teaching, not only for the crowd then, but for those seeking to follow him today. So hang on, this is about to be a bumpy ride. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Now, this statement includes the words, I am. And these are significant words which go back again to Jewish history. We go back to the time of the slavery in Egypt. Jehovah God uses a man named Moses to spearhead the reliefs of the people of Israel. And when Jehovah God calls Moses to this task, Moses asks him, what is your name? And Jehovah God responds with, I am. When Jesus starts his answer with, I am, he is putting himself on the level with Jehovah God. In an effect, he is saying, I am God. This statement would have been hard for the crowd to understand. 
So Jesus' answer is, I am the bread of life. In other words, like the manna, I can give you life. He continues, if you come to me, you'll never be hungry or thirsty again. You've watched me, but you still don't believe. Those who have been given to me by Jehovah God will come to me. I'll accept them. I've come down here to do what Jehovah God wants me to do, not what I want to do. And what he wants is that I won't lose even one of those who have been given to me. He wants me to raise them up at the last. Jehovah God wants everyone who sees the Son, Jesus, and believes in him to have life forever. This causes the crowd to begin complaining. They start with a statement that Jesus said he was the bread from heaven. And they continue, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? And Jesus responds to this, stop complaining. Then he says, no one comes to me unless Jehovah God draws them to me. I will raise them up on the last day. The prophet Isaiah tells us they will all be taught by God. If you listen to Jehovah God and learn from him, you'll come to me. If you believe, you'll have life forever. So, Jesus is saying, if you listen to Jehovah God, he'll point you to me. Then Jesus gets really controversial. Yes, I am the bread of life, he says. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. Unlike the manna, where you have life and then death later, he says, I give life forever. And this bread, he continues, which I will offer so that the world may live, is my flesh. That sets off an argument in the crowd. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And indeed, it sounds like a good question, doesn't it? What is Jesus trying to tell this crowd? What is he trying to tell us? Before we tackle that question, let's listen to the rest of Jesus' statement. Direct quote. Jesus says again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In that same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. The crowd hears this message, perhaps as many hear it, and perhaps as you hear it, literally. But that's not the meaning Jesus is trying to impart. Jesus has moved from they will all be taught by God to his being the bread of life. So think about it this way. A teacher uses words to impart wisdom. John has already told us that 
in the beginning was the Word, John 1.1, and that the Word became flesh, John 1.14. And in other words, Jesus is the Word, meaning the Word of Jehovah God. He becomes flesh and teaches us all with words. It is up to us to take in those words, eat them, if you will, to have life forever. Taking in this bread, these words of Jesus, is better than taking in the manna that Jehovah God gave his people in the desert. They ate that bread, and it gave them temporary life. Eating the words of Jesus, taking in his flesh, gives life that is forever. We take in Jesus so that he becomes part of us. Jesus' disciples hear this teaching they start complaining as well. This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus knows about their complaints. Are you offended? He asks. What will you think if you see me go back to heaven? Then he draws a distinction between the work of the Spirit and the work of man. The Spirit, he says, gives life forever. Human effort produces nothing. What he has shared comes from the Spirit and brings life but he says, not everyone will believe me. Jesus knew who would believe him and who wouldn't, and who would ultimately betray him. And indeed, many disciples deserted him because of this teaching. That is why Jesus says, people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. Jesus turns to the apostles and asks if they are going to leave as well. Simon Peter speaks up, as he's wont to do, Lord, where would we go? You have the words which give life forever. We believe and know you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus responds, Yes, I chose you twelve, but one is a devil. John writes that he was speaking of Judas, the one who would later betray him. And with this tough teaching I think we need to close today's Jesus Stories episode. There's a lot to chew on, to think about here. I invite you to spend some time doing just that. If you have comments or further questions, I want to hear from you. Write to me. Email me at narrationbygeorge at outlook.com. That's narrationbygeorge at outlook.com. Or send me a direct message. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. You'll find links to those pages in the show notes. These Jesus stories are brought to you because of your contributions to this effort to share the stories of Jesus with the world. And yes, we are going into all the world. From the start of Jesus Stories in late December 2020 up until now in September 2021, we have had over 20,000 listens in over 54 countries. And if you'd like to see this type of teaching continue to reach the world and maybe even where you are, I invite you to visit the Jesus Stories website. That's jesusstories.info and click on the support this podcast tab. A button on this page will lead you to a PayPal page to allow you to give a donation. Whether you give it once or make a monthly commitment, your gift is appreciated and it will be used to keep this podcast going. If you'd rather use another method for supporting this effort, shoot me an email narration by george at outlook.com or a dm on facebook twitter linkedin and share with me what you'd like to do don't forget 
We're available on any podcast player. I invite you to leave a rating, review wherever you listen. If you'll duplicate that on Apple Podcasts, it'll help folks to find us. And we're looking for your feedback. Want to hear from you. Like I said, we're on Facebook and Instagram. We're known as Jesus Stories, the podcast. On Twitter, you'll find us listed as Jesus Stories Pod or again an email, narration by George at Outlook.com. And you'll find on our website a link to a YouTube channel, and that's at JesusStories.info. JesusStories.info. Next time, what happens? Well, Jesus confronts some traditions of the Pharisees, and he uses that to further teach his disciples. He's going to start a tour of the province of Galilee with more miracles and another mass feeding, another dinner on the grounds. So come join us in two weeks for the next Jesus Stories. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.